This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We want to conclude the uh, series that we've been teaching on how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And this morning I want to teach a message on how you can know the voice of God. I'll remind you of our text scriptures, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul said, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. In other words, completely or entirely. So he's talking about the entirety of man. He said, And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop and think about that for a minute. A lot of times we quote this verse of Scripture or read this verse of Scripture and for the purpose of, of identifying the threefold nature of man, spirit, soul, and body. And it's one of the, the, the best beginning points, foundational Scriptures, for proving that truth. But notice what Paul is saying. Paul is not just talking about spirit, soul, and body. He's talking about a greater fact or a greater truth regarding the threefold makeup of man or the threefold entirety of man. And that is, he's praying that when Jesus comes back, our spirits, our souls, and our bodies are separated and sanctified unto God in such a way that we don't hardly even recognize the rapture. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to be excited to be caught up into the air. But I think the greatest goal for every believer should be to not hardly recognize when we get our redeemed bodies. Because if we're bringing our bodies into subjection to our spirits, if we presented our bodies a living sacrifice, and if we've renewed our mind to the word of God, then what difference would it make? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of this that I don't know. And I don't claim to have all the answers. But wouldn't it be great if we received our redeemed bodies and, and kind of as an afterthought realized, oh yeah, things changed. You'd have to be walking pretty close to the Lord for that to be the case, wouldn't you? Which is kind of what he wants us to do. Paul goes further and tells the church, in Romans chapter 8, about being led by the Spirit of God, he said in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, every child of God has a right, I believe a responsibility, to be led by the Holy Ghost. Folks, if that's true, and it is, there's a lot of the church world that's falling short of what God wants for us. But then the question has to be asked, how is he going to lead us? If we're going to be led by the Holy Ghost, what does that look like? Well, verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 tells us, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. He bears witness with our spirits. He doesn't bear witness with our bodies. He doesn't bear witness with our minds. God cannot think through your mind. Now, your mind can pick up information from your spirit and think God's thoughts. But God doesn't live in your mind. He doesn't live in your soul. He lives in your spirit. Now, we sometimes use these terms interchangeably and, and generally rather than specifically like the Bible does in most cases. And so we say, for example, when somebody gives their heart to Jesus, we say they got, their soul was saved. But specifically, that's not true. Paul wrote to, or James wrote to the uh, um, church at, uh, at Jerusalem, or the, the, really the Jews that were scattered abroad from Jerusalem. And he wrote, 
And he said, receive within, with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, the people he's writing to were spirit-filled, born-again, spirit-filled believers. Yet he said their souls weren't saved. Now, he's speaking specifically. He's saying their minds have not been renewed to the word. One of the greatest facts, one of the greatest truths that the Bible brings to us is that the new birth, the recreating of the human spirit, Paul said to the 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. One of the greatest and most astonishing facts in the scriptures to me is that the new birth, the recreation of the human spirit, affects neither the body or the mind of man. And the first thing that the Bible tells us to do when we come into the kingdom of God is to present our bodies a living sacrifice and renew our minds to the word. Now, the third portion of, of uh, text scripture that we've been using is, is in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, which says the spirit of man, not the body of man, not the mind of man, but the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now, in those days, the day that the, this uh, was written, they used lamps, or little oil lamps, to light their way in the darkness. Well, what happened when you lit the oil lamp in the middle of the darkness? Well, you could see things. Things were revealed that you didn't know were there. Or you found direction or path for your feet. David said it this way in the Psalms. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Well, it's the spirit of man that is the candle of the Lord. God will use your spirit to enlighten you. He will use your spirit to guide you. He'll use your spirit to reveal himself to you. He uses your spirit to reveal his will to you. But very little is known, it seems to me, you judge it for yourself, but it seems to me that very little is known in the church world about spiritual development or spiritual sensitivity or being led by the Holy Ghost. Yet being led by the Holy Ghost is the only way you can ensure victory in your life. Now I want you to turn back with me to John chapter 10 because I want to talk to you, like I said, about knowing the voice of God. I want to read to you what Jesus said in John chapter 10. There's some wonderful truths in, in this uh, passage of Scripture. We won't read the whole thing, but I do want to read enough of it to, to give you the, the import of what he's saying. Notice beginning in verse 1, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth into the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, the door he's talking about is human birth. He's talking about, he's going to go further and say in this chapter that he's the good shepherd and he lays down his life for the sheep. Well, what made Jesus the shepherd of the sheep? The sheep being the people, the covenant people of God and all of mankind that God created in his image. Now, what made Jesus the shepherd of the sheep? Well, Jesus said it's because he entered in legally. He laid down his heavenly power and glory, laid aside his heavenly power and glory that he had with the Father before the world was. And he humbled himself and was born into the earth as a man. And notice he says that if anybody comes in any other way, they're a thief and a robber. Now, he's talking about the devil. How did the devil gain access to this world? How did the devil gain access to your minds and mine, to our thought life? How did he gain access? He stole Adam's authority. Satan wasn't born into this world. He was created. He's a created being, and he stole Adam's authority. And that's the point Jesus is making. And, folks, you need to realize that Jesus is telling us his attitude toward the devil. I think ours should be similar. He said, I'm here legally. The devil is not. 
to him, the shepherd of the sheep, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls them his own sheep by name, and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before him, and his sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now, I want you to notice something about this. Um, Here where it says in verse 3, I think a lot of people get verse 3, but they miss verses 4 and 5. Because it says, in the sheep hear his voice. In other words, Jesus is saying, my sheep will hear my voice. I think people get that, but they think in a natural sense, and they're looking for some means to hear naturally the voice of the Lord, and that never happens. And so they're left with confusion because they look for natural circumstances or natural events to dictate to them the will of God and the voice of the Lord in their lives. But Jesus is clarifying what he means by hearing his voice. In verse 4, he said, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. For they know his voice. Now he's not saying they hear it. Now he's saying they know it. So when he's speaking of hearing his voice in verse 3, is he talking about hearing it with the physical ears? He's talking about hearing it from your heart. Well, what is hearing it from your heart? It's knowing. It's not a sound on the inside. It's a knowing. He goes on in verse 5. He says, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now, Jesus is saying, remember the contrast that he's making is between him and the devil, the thief and the robber, which is the devil, and himself as the good shepherd. And he's making the contrast And the contrast is very simply this. He says, the believer, my sheep, in other words, the person that develops his spirit to be led by the Holy Ghost, the one that's going to to hear and follow the voice of God, is the one that knows on the inside of him what God is directing him to do. But notice what it says about the devil, who remember the devil doesn't have access to your spirit. He comes against your mind. Notice he says that the devil is not to be followed And here's how you're going to know it's his voice because you don't know on the inside of you. Have you ever noticed the devil always comes with questions? The the devil never brings you knowledge of wisdom. He always brings you questions. First thing he tempted Eve with is he said, has God said? First thing he did was question the word. I found that to be his modus of operandi even today, he's all the time questioning the word to me. Doesn't he you? He never brings you knowledge unless it's knowledge of something bad. Well, somebody had what you had and they died. You know, he'll bring thoughts like that to you. But he always comes with questions. God doesn't ask you questions as a general rule. When it comes to leading you and guiding you and, and uh, discern, you discerning his voice, he doesn't bring questions to you. He brings knowing I don't even want to say knowledge because it's not knowledge in the sense that the world, the natural world thinks of knowledge because all of the the natural knowledge we have in the world is based on the five physical senses, circumstances, physical evidence. That's not what I mean when I say knowledge. When I say knowledge, I'm talking about spiritual knowledge. I'm talking about an inward knowing. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. In other words, you're going to know on the inside of you what's right. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. 
Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross. And on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being, and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Notice he says everybody that's his knows him. Now, again, is he talking about hears him when he speaks? No, he's talking about an inward knowing. Let me prove this to you. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 2. Let me show you what Jesus is saying. The Holy Ghost tells John the same thing. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 1 John chapter 2, notice verse 20. John is writing to the church and he said, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Now, the, um, uh, this word unction literally means a smearing or a rubbing on. It's, the, it's translated the same words translated anointing in verse 27. So what he's saying is there's a special ability of the Holy Ghost that every believer has to this end or that results in this. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. He didn't say you hear all things. He didn't say you wonder about all things. He said, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Notice in verse 27, he said, but the anointing, this is the same word unction in verse 20, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and it is no lie and even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. Now let's, let's pick this apart for a little bit. He said, you have something from the Holy Ghost, this anointing, this unction, this inward knowing from the Holy Ghost, and you don't need anybody to teach you. That doesn't mean teachers in the body of Christ aren't necessary. Wouldn't make sense for God to set teachers in the church until we all come into the unity of the faith and then say, you don't need those. Well, when he's talking about you don't need anybody to teach you, what does he mean? He's talking about teaching you the voice of God or the direction of God for your own life. See, so many times people are looking to other believers to tell them what they think God wants them to do. Well, the most well-intentioned believer in the world, if they're not guiding you according to following your own heart, their advice is poor. Because we've got scripture that says that God will lead you, not somebody else for you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say as many as are led by other Christians, they're the sons of God. Nowhere does it say as many as are led by prophets, they are the sons of God. No, it says we're to be led by the Holy Ghost. Here's John expanding on that. He's saying we have something special from the Holy Ghost. Every believer has it. He said you have an unction from the Holy Ghost and the Holy One, you know all things. Every believer has it. He said every believer has something on the inside of them that causes them to know, not hear, but to know 
right from wrong, to know right from left, to know what they should do versus what they shouldn't do. Every believer has that, and you don't need somebody else to tell you what that is. In fact, they can't tell you what, what it is for you because they're not in your situation. The knowing they have on the inside concerning them and God's direction for their life is not going to be the same thing that God has planned or designed for yours. So you can't have somebody else teach you what God wants you to do for you. Now, I've told the story before. I think I've told a little bit of it even in this, uh, this series. But uh, Beth and I left Brother Hagin's ministry in um, uh, 1985. Uh, well, no, it was 1984. And in the middle of 1984, and we spent about 16 or 17 months traveling on the road and did some things overseas and that kind of thing because we didn't know what else to do. It was the, the only thing that presented itself to us that seemed like it might fit. But it never fit right, if you know what I mean by that. I mean, all the time that we were traveling, we were helping people, we were getting people saved, we were teaching the truth, get people filled with the Holy Ghost, laying hands on the sick and saw some results and, and, uh, and that kind of thing, doing what we could with what we had to help people and help churches and so forth. But I think from the beginning, we, all, we both knew that this is not the end of where we're going. But it got uh, more and more clear to us about a year into it. I started, uh, I, I was satisfied, happy with what we were doing. We we're, like I said, we we're having a measure of success and um, uh, paying the bills. God was taking care of us and things were going okay. But something started nagging at me on the inside. Now, it's, it's hard to describe spiritual things in natural terms, but something was nagging at me. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I wasn't exactly frustrated with what I was doing because I was teaching the Word and gaining experience and so forth. But there was something that was nagging at me. I think a lot of times people have that something nagging at them on the inside. They don't discern what it is. And so they'll either jump ship from what they're doing and run into doing something else trying to find relief or they spend the rest of their lives frustrated. Folks, if there's a nagging on the inside, it means there's a change coming. But that doesn't mean run off and change today. I spent about six months knowing, finally recognizing that something's going to change. So we started examining what could change. We thought about moving overseas. We thought about moving overseas and, and traveling in, uh, in Europe. We had a real heart for France and the doors, some, some real significant doors that opened to us in, uh, in France. And so we thought, well, maybe we ought to go over there. People in Europe aren't too concerned about who's who. And uh, we've got open doors there. Maybe that's what we ought to do. But the more we prayed about it, the more that didn't seem right either. And, and here's where I think a lot of people make mistakes. They just look for an open door, which we had, and they assume that the open door means this is what I'm supposed to do. Thank God we had learned from Brother Hagin not to move through open doors. Because doors open in the natural realm where Satan is the God. Satan is the God of this world. He can open doors too. And he doesn't mind opening a door, a ministry opportunity door for you if it gets you off track. Doesn't bother him a bit. Because he can rob you of joy and he can rob you of effectiveness in God's plan for your life. Even though you're doing good. So we kept praying, kept praying, trying to figure out what it was. And, and uh, um, after about six months, 
one day just in a conversation with somebody else, I had an instant dropping down into my heart. It's like you, you ever put your uh, quarter in a vending machine or something like that and you hear it go down and finally you hear it click and you know it made contact? Well, that's kind of what it was like with me. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden something came down in the, on the inside of me and made contact. It was an instant knowing what I was supposed to do. Instant. I knew immediately what I was supposed to do. Went home, told Beth. Same thing happened to her. Didn't tell her what happened to me. I just told her what the the gentleman had said to me. And the same thing happened to her when we wound up comparing notes a few days later. She said, well, when you said this, I instantly knew what we were supposed to do. I'm glad God confirmed it and had the same thing for both of us. Be a shame if I was supposed to come here and she was supposed to keep on traveling on the road. <laughs> but anyway, the same thing happened to both of us. We had an instant knowing. I knew that I was supposed to come here and pastor. Well, folks, I can only give you three or four things like that in my life that I know that I know that I know. And if you think about it, the things that you know, uh, Romans eight sixteen again, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. In other words, the first thing the Holy Ghost is going to do is he's going to drop something down on the inside of you to cause you to know that you're a child of God. We're right here in 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3. 1 John chapter 2 verse, uh, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 3 verse 14. Notice what John said. He said, we know. Everybody say, we know. We know. He didn't say we guessed. He didn't say we hope so. We didn't, he didn't say we think so. He said, we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now stop and think about that for a minute. How many Christians do you know that don't know that they're saved? Look at the people in the body of Christ that, that struggle back and forth with thinking they've done something wrong, that they've grieved the Holy Ghost, they've committed the unpardonable sin or whatever it is, whatever their reasoning is, whatever the devil's punching their ticket about. And they don't know that they know that they know. And as a result, they keep rededicating their lives again and again. They keep repenting. They keep trying to get God to, to make them feel good so that they'll know because they're looking for a feeling rather than an inward witness. But it's the inward witness. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. How does he do that? Well, we know because of the love of God that's been given to us when we got saved. God says that every Christian knows. But you know as well as I do that not every Christian is aware that they know. Why not? Because they're too focused on other things. They're focused on how they feel. They're focused on the circumstances around them. Well, like I said, I've only got three or four, maybe five things that I know that I know that I know as sure as I know that I'm supposed to be here in pastor. Now, folks, that's held me steady because we've been in some situations where it looked like this is not going to work, this is too much trouble, whatever it is. And I've had to come back to the fact that until I know something else as strong or stronger than I know what I'm supposed to be doing here, I'm supposed to keep doing this. But what if I'd gotten a better offer? See, I think a lot of people miss the plan of God because of a better, a better offer. Maybe it's a promotion on the job. Maybe it's a raise. When I was in Bible school, first year uh, that I was working with Brother Hagen, uh, first year of Bible school, I was contacted by one of the sports teams. I played some ball in college and that kind of thing, but had gotten away from it a little bit. And, and I had a, a scout from one of the pro teams 
called me and asked me if I was interested in playing. And I said, well, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but what do you got in mind? Well, they started, they threw out a, a, a number, a, a start po- starting point for the negotiation of $150,000 a year. Now, this is 1981. At the time, I was making $800 a month working for Brother Hagen. Now, if my math is right, that's $9,600 a year. Some people would consider the $150,000 to be a raise. But I didn't even consider it. And the reason I didn't consider it is because I knew that I knew that I knew. I was where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing. There was nothing that had ever satisfied me like what I was doing at the time. But a lot of people let natural circumstances pull them away from what they know on the inside. But it still comes down to knowing what you know on the inside. I can't do something else as long as I know what I know about pastoring this church. I just can't do it. Now, one of the other things that I know, and I, I, I didn't get a, a drop-down instant knowing like I did with, uh, with coming out here, but I knew that we were going to have to start a TV program. I don't even know where I started knowing that. I can't go back and pinpoint a time where all of a sudden I just knew that's what I was going to have to do. But I, 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 I don't know. It's like, thinking back, at it, it's like I've known it forever. And, of course, that's not true, but you know what I mean when I say that. And so I knew that it it was something we were supposed to do, not because I had a desire to do it. I really don't desire to do it. I'm just not somebody that wants the attention. Me pastoring is proof that God has a sense of humor. (laughs) Because I don't like to be in front of people. I don't like to talk. And this is my life's work. But I knew it was what we were supposed to do. I knew the TV was going to be something we were supposed to do. Well, there was a time where the Lord spoke to me in a time of prayer, and he said, prepare for TV. How do you do that? That's all he said. He didn't tell me how. So I told the staff. I said, well, here's what the Lord said. We had a staff meeting, and I said, uh, here's what the Lord said. Prepare for TV. I don't know what that means, but everybody do your job. Whatever would change for TV, you, you know, start doing it. Well, we started gathering a little bit of equipment here and there and started making some um, uh, moves in that direction. And then one Sunday night, healing school, one Sunday night service. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure we'd started healing school at that point. But anyway, it was a Sunday night service, small crowd, normal crowd, nothing out of the ordinary. We're worshiping God, and the Lord spoke to me, just standing up right over there next to that chair. The Lord spoke to me and said, now's the time for TV. So I told the staff the next day, I said, okay, well, the Lord said, now's the time. Well, we'd been working our way toward TV and trying to get a little bit of experience here and there for the previous year. And so we pulled the trigger and we went full steam, full speed ahead. But when you know you're doing what God told you to do, he takes care of the rest. Life's not supposed to be a struggle, folks. There's going to be enough challenges, but life's not supposed to be a struggle. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're weighed down by something, you're carrying your own burden, not his. Jesus said that as one of his followers, you would hear and know his voice. When we come to realize that the inward witness is the inward knowing, then we can always rely 
on the work of the Holy Ghost to help us and to know God's plan for us. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Whatever test you face, you're going to know what to do. You will always know. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.